What do you want? Screaming queens. Listen, I am two seconds away from calling the police. Screaming Queens Horror Podcast. What do you want? Screaming Queens Horror Podcast to your death. Something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch. It was an asylum. And it was hell. 20 years of pure hell. The devil wins sometimes. What's that? Monsters. Welcome to Screaming Queens, the podcast with the queer eye view of horror. Completely unprepared for this. <laughs> um, welcome to my world. Welcome. To, uh, yes. So I'm Martin Fennessy. I'm Jonathan Larkin. I'm Jonathan Butler. Stephen Moore. Um, and tonight I'm hosting this episode, and God knows what it's going to turn out like. Okay. Um, so tonight we are looking at a. Hammer film starring Betty Davis from the 1960s called The Nanny. Betty Davis as The Nanny adds another magnificent performance to her unequaled record of outstanding portrayals. Nanny had been in the family for years. Then, mysteriously, two are dead. Two live on in constant terror. Nanny wasn't responsible, was she? I'm frightened, Nanny. I'm frightened. Was Nanny to blame when this radiant young mother crumbled into a neurotic woman? But, Nanny, I don't want him home. And young Joey, is he terrorized or terrorizing? He's an homicidal nut. He's a monster. Cruelest thing I've ever heard of. What happens if you die in the night? Huh? What happened in the bathroom, Nanny? I don't know what you mean. What happened? Miss Penn. Go back to bed. What happened? So to sort of leap in, this, the the nanny was made in the mid sixties, and it was when Betty Davis had was riding the wave, the crest of the wave, post Baby Jane and Dead Ringer and Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, um, and was finally getting work again in films. 
So The Nanny is a horror film, but really a bit of a psychological thriller, mm. maybe more so. It's a bit of a slow reveal, which keeps you guessing around what's actually happening. Was Betty Davis responsible for the death of a child? How will we ever find out? Actually, Betty Davis? No. <laughs> <laughs> was that in there? Was that in BZ's autobiography? Yes. It starts off with Betty Davis making her way home through the park feeding the ducks, moving very stately, stopping to buy some flowers before arriving at a very expensive Belgravia mm. address. And we cut to the interior of the house, which is a beautiful apartment where there's a married couple rowing. Within two minutes, I knew I liked this film because the line, there's a great line right at the start, wash your face and put some makeup on and you look terrible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. Yes, if you're quite finished. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> I suggest you wash your face and put some makeup on. Whereas there was a line early on in the film that just made me think of Stephen Moore. What? I am pretty, aren't I, Mum? <laughs> <laughs> I'm prettier than you, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course you are, Stephen. You're prettier than everyone. <laughs> That's I what know, I thought. I know, I yeah. know. <laughs> just wait till bath time. Found <laughs> <laughs> oh, that strangely erotic. <laughs> so we have the obviously neurotic Wendy Craig mm-hmm. as the wife. She's Virginia. Sorry, she's Virginia. she's Virginia, and her husband, um, played by James Villiers, Bill Fane. So they're Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Fane. Yeah, yeah. And they're about to have their ten-year-old son. Go and collect their 10-year-old son, Joey, who's been away somewhere for two years. We're not sure quite where at that point or why. Because at first I thought it was just like he's at a boarding school. I'm like, yeah. This, this yeah. woman's pretty neurotic just for a kid coming home. Yeah. She's very neurotic, isn't she? So she's just, she's she she's scared. Yeah. She's saying she's frightened about him coming home. Yeah. That she he won't know her. I feel really sorry for it. Yeah, and she won't know him, and he will know her. Yeah, and the, it, it feels very fraught and a bit of an overreaction, but mm. she's very, she's very, very vulnerable. Yeah. And James Villiers just gets very frustrated and walks out on her and <laughs> talks to Nanny and says, "Will you just go and sort her out, please?" Tells her to put some makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Nanny, played by Betty Davis comes finally speaks. Betty Davis is just plays a really wonderful part of playing with sort of detached benevolence and a bit of stoicism and brisk efficiency. Mm-hmm. She's great. She never comes in as Betty Davis, does she? No. She's very much she is she is that character. She is the nanny. Yeah. There's no flamboyance to this performance. A very it's quite a it's quite a sparing performance from Betty Davis in many ways maybe yeah. maybe later on in the film that it gets a... the, the histrionics come towards the end don't they yeah. mm. it really she really earns it it's, uh, she sort of like you were saying before she sort of floats in she glides into yeah. the film there's no big fanfare there's no this is a big Betty Davis film she, she's a perfect servant in that she's involved in she's clearly right at that moment very very intimately involved with that family yeah, yeah. but completely detached from it because it would be an intrusion she knows her place yeah. she has some authority because she's the nanny yeah. but actually she is a servant and she knows her place and she has to be yeah. so that's part of her role as the nanny is to be there but not seen you know, yeah. so yeah. just to be understated but it's 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 really clever though, isn't it? Because she is really she's a really clever character because 
the whole point of it that we come to realise towards the end is the whole every part of her being is to control this family. Mm. She's mm. she's the one that she she needs them to need her the most out of anyone. So yeah. she's pulling all the she really she is sort of pulling all the strings but is quietly standing back. See, I didn't get that. I didn't. I, that's not what I got from the film. Towards the end, is it? Yeah. Not at the I, beginning. No, no. I didn't. I, even at the end, I didn't. Yeah. I, see, I saw it as a victim. Yeah. As uh, she was a victim of the mm. family. Yeah. Is what I took from it. Yeah. But we'll get to that. I'm sure. Oh we'll yeah. Get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. From having that initial glimpse of Virginia being very, very distraught, that conversation with the nanny suddenly you feel it feels a bit icky because she's very, very vulnerable and childlike, yeah. mm. and she's pleading with um, she's pleading with the nanny to not go and pick up her son, mm. and the nanny responds in a very um, in a very nanny-like way and says, well, you will have to tell Mr. Fane then. Yeah. And yeah. she pleads with her. Virginia pleads with her and says, no, 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 please, I have a terrible headache. I have to really have. Yeah, yeah. Um, at which point, nanny says, okay, I will, I will go. We then essentially cut to an institution where Joey's been for the last two years. And we're not really entirely sure why he's been there. But it becomes apparent that it's a school for disturbed children. And he's been subject to some sort of therapeutic environment because his behaviour in response to something that's not quite clear what's happened has been quite extreme. He's been refusing to eat, he's been quite willful saying terrible things about Nanny and he's apparently is a bit of a fantasist and he's ready to come home but apparently he will still be angry around middle-aged women. I just love, I love our introduction, our introduction to Joey is this 10 year old who pretends to hang himself. Absolutely amazing. Just like, that was, my note I wrote for that was, holy shit. Yeah. Just my, that's your introduction to character, I'm going to pretend to hang myself. Yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. At first I thought like obviously my brain was catching up what was going on I first thought oh shit he's dead and I was like that wasn't where I was thinking this film was going to go straight <laughs> off the bat and then yeah. he wasn't dead and I was like that's definitely not where I thought this film was going to go yeah yeah. it's just weird so it's set you up for this this boy who is full of tricks and is very sort of willful but actually has this very very sinister aspect to his personality real darkness to him isn't it you to, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't trick that nurse who's sent to fetch him by putting a bucket of water on top of no, the door yeah. and soaking it or you getting a hand covered in black ink because yeah. she opens the door handle he does something very the, the yeah. ultimate macabre <laughs> trick <laughs> of feigning his own feigning his own suicide yeah. Joey Fane Joey Fane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I like how he lay it on thick when he's leaving as well. It's like, like we will never, we have never done anything to save this boy. He is the ultimate like bad. Yeah. We failed him. He is so awful. And it's like, all right. Yeah. So he's yeah. a monster. They have to call him a monster. Yeah. 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 He lay it on thick. Yeah. I do like the little line about when they say, oh, oh, "Don't all boys love pretending to be Buffalo Bill?" And obviously now that means something different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds of the land. Yeah, I, there is all that exposition, isn't there, around yeah. you, you children pretend to be things, and they really, really believe the role that they mm-hmm. play. And if adults do that, we think that that's that's odd. Yeah. 
But they then twist that they then twist that round and say, mm. "Bush, yeah. he you the way that he does it isn't the right isn't the right way." Yeah. So who is Buffalo Bill? If not, it would have been like a cowboy. He was a cowboy. He's a, he's a real name. He was a real life cowboy from the the Midwest, and he ended up touring around the world with his Wild West show, and he even came to Liverpool, and he, he, he even came to Mughal. Wow. wow, he must have been desperate. <laughs> <laughs> what years? I mean, what what sort of era? Um, like the no, 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 no. It was like that. the it was no earlier. Uh, so it was like the the end of the nineteenth century, early twentieth uh, century. It's like when all like the world fairs and stuff yeah, were going yeah. on. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. When they're driving home in the car, my favourite line. So he he gets t- to go home, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And he's meant to be getting into the car with his dad and the nanny, and he's immediately. Yeah. Incredibly rude to oh, Nanny. He's, fucker, he's he awful. Yeah. So he's been set up as this monster. He's tended to hang himself. He's climbed down after the nurse has run away in complete distress. Yeah. Calmly fills up his rope and packs it away. <laughs> he takes it with him. Just packing. <laughs> just packing my noose. <laughs> um, and then is completely horrible to Nanny yeah. and refuses to sit in the car with her, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So he sits in the front and makes her sit in the back, doesn't he? Well, she yeah. says, I'll sit in the back if yeah. that makes it all easier. She's too she, nice. She yeah. pacifies constantly. She does, yeah. She? Um, but um, on the drive home, they say, well, it's because uh, he's always teasing Mrs. Griggs, isn't he? That's why mm. he pretends to hang himself. Oh, yeah. And they, really say, like they say, what's so bad about Mrs. Briggs? And he says, she was like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Master Joey, how you've grown... Now, there's a nice surprise for you, Joey. You didn't expect Nanny to come and meet you, did you? Now, you two sit in the back together. No. Very well, then. We'll all sit in the front. No, I won't sit with her. And quite right, too. He wants to sit up front with his father. I'll sit in the back. Get in, Joey. I hate to admit failure, but with young Joey, I'm afraid. He's a monster. Oh, don't be uncharitable, Sarah. Our job is to search out their little devils and exorcise them. I'm afraid we've failed Joey, failed him miserably. <laughs> There's another line around this time as well that I, I really liked. It says, he must behave like a normal child or be punished. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That says everything to the environment that yeah. he's just come from. I think this, it's, 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 <laughs> everything about this film is really clever in the way that they marketed it and the way mm. that the, the casting of Betty Davis is mm. really, really clever because off the back of Baby Jane and Sweet Charlotte and um, the, just the way she looks, yeah. uh, the whole hag horror thing, you automatically assume she's the baddie and it's called the nanny as well. So mm. you think, well, if it was called, if it was about Joey, if he was the baddie, it'd be called Joey, Joey yeah. or something. So you always, even even when you've got sympathy for her because he's being a little fucker, you still think, I know, but what she's on, you know, why yeah. she's the ace? There must be a reason she must be the bad guy. See, that, that was my note, was that, like, I know he hates her, and I know she's obviously done something, but, like, 
fuck me, that kid is a cunt. I was good, my, what have I noticed? Like, the kid is a proper twat. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cunt. He's a twat. I put Jerry as one little cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he can make his own bed. Yeah. <laughs> He's, very in- He's very independent. He's an extremely independent boy. Because he, he, really he packs up his shit. He doesn't like it in his room, doesn't he? And yeah. then he just takes it to yeah. the other room. At the other room, yeah. 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 Makes his own bed. I can make just about every knot there is. Yeah. I can make a hangman's hang knot. See, yeah. this thing concerns me is his dad sitting there talking to him while he's playing with a noose. I'm like, yeah. the kid's 10 years well, I mean, I couldn't, I didn't know how to make a noose when I was 10 years old. Is this just what happened in the 60s? Yeah. It was different times. <laughs> well, there was less to do. <laughs> yeah. Hang myself. Less to do, learn knots. We didn't have social media then. True. There was a real emphasis when I was in the 70s of learning how to play to tie knots when I was in the clubs. I never learned how mm, to do it. I was say, well, it was a big thing, I think, especially in America as well. They love, love tying knots in like there's like books, um, there's like books, yeah, different no, types yeah, of yeah, knots. I, you know, I, it's ridiculous. I think it was a really big thing in a certain type of American. When I was in when I was a kid, I was in the scouts and we did learn knots, but. That wasn't just like a recreational path. They didn't teach yourself like a fucking noose. <laughs> <laughs> and well, realistically hang yourself. Um, yeah. What kind of childhood did you have then? Yeah, God. I know. You missed out. But it's just it's just how casual his dad is. Where he's just he's just carrying on a normal conversation. It's like your child's playing with a fucking noose. You know, know. he's not really interested. <laughs> he, there he is the dad. He just wants everything. The dad. The dad's only really concerned about his own, is about his job. job He's not yeah, really interested it. in his wife. Yeah. Not interested in the home. He just wants everything to be perfect at home. Mm. I I like, and that's it. I, like, I think the dad's quite funny. He's really he's quite nasty as well. He's very I stern. Think my favorite line for him, one of my favorite lines in this film, is the passive aggressiveness when he goes to pour himself a drink and he goes, "I suppose you want one as well." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Ooh, that was." Bitchy. <laughs> I know you were saying that you felt so, so sorry for the mum, for Virginia, but after about 20 minutes, I thought she was reminding me of Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Mm. Yeah, I felt sorry for her at the beginning as it went on. I lost it because I actually thought the way they were going with the character was like that she was going to be suffering from anxiety and she was like, thing. and I thought that was like actually the character trait. Yeah. It was that she was just anxiety ridden and I felt really sorry for her. I thought, oh, that it. You know, forcing her to go out and not really understanding her. her feelings here was kind of wrong. And then as she went on, it was like there was no development to it. Mm. She's just it a wet letter. Just, she was just wet. Well, she's just, just been gone. completely infantilized, isn't she? And that's and it's so irritating. And yet Joey is for for all he's completely obnoxious and and rude. He's he's powerful. Yeah. He's, he's got the he's, he's got powerful. the power and the he's got the power and the control. But that takes me back the to my yeah. theory that Betty Davis, the nanny, she's got them the way she wants them. Mm. Which is what I thought when it gets, we'll get to it at the end. Yeah. I think there's a point to her, I mean, to, to the mum not developing as a character because yeah. I think she's, a, because, she's useless because she's, nanny has always mm. wanted her that way. But I do lose me sympathy because of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. She just irritates me. Because yeah. Thank God for Aunt Penn. And Penn is a marvellous character, isn't yeah, she? Yeah. So, Virginia's sister. She's obviously society it girl, mm. good time girl. Yeah. Um, in fact, she and she's but she's got a bad heart. I was going to say, she? she can't have that good of a time because she might die. But she does say <laughs> I mean, a wonderful thing. Yeah. She, she does say a wonderful thing, which I love. Um, when she's talking a million times about having a bad heart, she says, 
I'd rather have a glorious old binge and go out laughing. Yeah, well, isn't that a good way to live your life? And that sums up that character, actually, just her attitude yeah. to life, even though she's got that that heart complaint. And who plays her? What's the actor? Um, Jill Bennett. And what was the story you were telling me about? So there? she was she was married to a few people, but she was finally married to a writer, John Osborne, like famous writer from the yeah. 60s. Um and they split up in the 1970s quite acrimoniously to the extent that he had a restraining order against him <laughs> in an era when nobody had restraining orders wow. where he was banned from writing about her because he wrote about her so um, awfully. She ended up um, killing herself what? in 1990 oh. through an overdose very very oh, no. tragically and he she'd suffered from depression for quite a long time and it was also the after effects apparently it, he'd been quite uh it'd been quite a brutal relationship a relationship with John Osborne um and immediately she'd died he wrote a chapter in the second volume of his autobiography about her and apparently rejoiced in her death. And the chapter was described as being vituperative and appropriate. Whatever those words mean, but awful. Sounds like absolute horror. What a little shit bag. So yes, even though she hadn't been with him for 12 years, she ended up killing herself. And it seems to be recognised that it was as a result of her relationship with him. Oh dear. Um, wow. So, yes, and what what a wonderful actress she mm. was. Just from that yeah. part, she yeah. was famously she was in lots and lots of different things. Yeah, Probably her most famous role was in um, the film of the Charge of the Light Brigade. Oh. Right, she's really well cast because she looks like Virginia. She looks like the mum. They yeah. look very similar, don't they? They do look really similar. Um, and you can actually believe that they're sisters, yeah. even though they're very contrasting characters. Yeah. There's something about the dynamic between them where you think if they are related and yeah. there's something about them being similar but contrasting and that yeah. big sister, young little sister yeah. tension the writing in being there is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the lead up where she starts off slowly talking about how lucky Virginia is and she's saying, oh, oh you've got this, that's a great thing, and you're proud of your husband, so that's a great thing. And then she somehow twists it to this point where she talks about how she's got the nanny, mm. even though the nanny never went off and got married because she stayed after the mum died and then she stayed because of the accident mm-hmm. and now you've still got the arrangement well I suppose it all just worked out well for you didn't it referencing <laughs> the fact that she got the nanny and her kid dying was a victory for yeah, her yeah. and it's yeah. like it starts off really slow and then builds up to this moment you're just like fuck doesn't yeah. he say very lucky but it's the most like sarcastic and passive aggressive very lucky you know yeah. well, yeah. she says something like you've, she says um, you've got everything you ever wanted yeah it's the exact kind of all I got was a bad horse. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's she's not recognising she's lost a child necessarily, but she's looking at this house and mm. looking at this husband who flies all over the world as a queen's mm. messenger. Oh, good job! The mm. absolute luxury mm. that they're living in, and all she's got is bad heart and mm. yeah. gets to have a drink every so often. Yeah, I think yeah, it's the exact kind of um, passive aggressiveness that I think you could only actually have between like sisters yeah yeah like family that yeah. wouldn't have worked if that was a friend who'd yeah. said that it only no. works because it's family yeah and you would say that as sister you would sort of essentially have that resentment and say why are you fucking crying yeah when you've got all this and i've got you i've got nothing and yeah. i'm living my I, i'm loving my life yeah. Mm. yeah and yet you're 
distortion you've got there's nothing more you could want in the yeah. world yeah. Yeah. the only someone that close to you could be that nasty yeah. without realising yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they could only be that nasty with love yeah yeah Mm, so Joey's home he's rejected his newly decorated bedroom yeah. and all the toys that Nanny has um, acquired for him and decorated room gone to this smaller spare room that's by a fire escape yeah. they have a welcome home dinner and cake and cake with yeah. welcome home Joey written yeah. on it that Nanny has lovingly gone out yeah. and had bought for him and decorated for him and he won't eat a fucking thing yeah. Mm. Yeah. no nonsense dad sends him to his room yeah. without any dinner I do like there's a great line from Joey around this bit I think when Andy Penn's there if she got frightened she dropped down dead yes. and, he's ask, and he's, <laughs> he's asking and it's like it's so sinister it's yeah. like he's asking yeah. because he's thinking of doing it. It's really playing yeah. the duck, yeah. isn't it? That he might be the monster. Yes. And it, it, it reminds me of my, my one of my mates, no name mentions, one of my mates has got a ton of kids. And when she had, what uh, she's got a daughter, she was quite precocious. And when she had a, her, her, her other daughter, who was much younger, she was a baby. And um, the older daughter really resented this child being in the house, like really resented it. And um, she said, Mommy, I wanna, I wanna help you bath the baby. <laughs> So she did, and as they were bathing her, she said, Mummy, if she slipped under the water, she would drown and die, wouldn't she? And my mate went, yeah. And the daughter just went, hmm, and smiled. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's a wonderful, wonderful character of a child. The other thing about that lie, though, is it's one of those... It's one of those incongruous questions that a child would ask because yeah. they're fascinated by the fact that somebody might just drop down at the moment's yeah. notice without yeah. it, and asking all innocence. But yeah. it's just and then also he was more in reality hoping that the nanny would have it because he asks always oh, a heart like that as well. Yeah. So as much as you it can be read as very sinister, he's also just kinda of hopeful that the nanny's not gonna be around. Like, and he's thinking she's old, so maybe it's more likely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was just gonna try and kill her by doing the hanging routine again or something. Mm. I thought that Give was gonna come shock, back later. Yeah. So Jerry has no dinner. He spends the night in his room without eating. Gets up in the morning. His dad's had full English breakfast on silver platters and everything. <laughs> Goes to work and he sneaks a bit of toast um, out and bumps into the nanny, who comments about him not. Um, eating says you found your appetite Mr Jerry um, and he says yes I won't eat anything of yours and she quite joy gleefully or sort of understatedly gleefully says but I made your, da- your daddy's breakfast didn't I <laughs> <laughs> doesn't come back then with but you wouldn't poison him yeah, yeah you wouldn't poison him you wouldn't it. poison him yeah so this is where we meet another wonderful oh. actress oh. and character Pamela Franklin yeah. Pamela Franklin because he goes out onto his um, does he go out she's, no she's running down the stairs she's running down the stairs and he says get off my fire escape yeah. yeah. um, so she's the neighbour's daughter Bobby she's the neighbour's do- neighbor's daughter the neighbor. yeah the 14 year old she's just aspirational <laughs> she's just 15, 14 14. 14. No, she's, she's actually 14. Almost 15. Almost 15, but she only turned 14 a month ago. Yeah, she's still 14. 
That's her way of making, you know. She's trying to make herself look I and see, be I older. I'm like so confused because I thought she said she was 15, but she, she was did. only 14 a month ago. Yeah. yeah. And, but now again, because yeah. she's saying she that to him to make herself look older. But I was as in, like, she just changed from being she's 14 pre- to 15, but she meant she was. She's a quite a sophisticated but precocious teenager. She's fantastic. And she's she's amazing. 14, and she's. I'm waiting for a gentleman friend. A gentleman caller, is this something like that? And um, I just thought you were my spirit animal because she's like cocking a leg up on the thing. So can see up a skirt yeah and he goes and pretends every day to uh, tie shoes and well, she doesn't mind him looking up her skirt it's just like she it's amazing yeah. I like um, Jerry's commentary on it more than like even the moments it's just like he's looking up your skirt a dirty bugger yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I love the fact that Joey talks like a kid but I love when he says that the lad like the lad the lad hears him and runs off yeah. and she goes what did you do that for <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if you've got a boyfriend where is he he'll be alone I bet he won't what you bet I haven't got any money fags my dad's got some alright I bet you a fag then look here he comes now you watch he'll stop just down there pretend to tie his shoelaces up what for he always does He's looking up your skirt. You dirty old git. What did you have to go and do that for? Well, he is. Give us a bite of your sandwich. Where do you live? Up there. My father's a doctor. Mine's a Queen's messenger. I know, I've seen him. He's smashing. My dad? He's like a film star. He is not. Who's that? Nanny. Nanny? Are you some sort of baby or something? She looks after my mum. She used to look after me and Susie. Till Susie got killed. Killed? She was my sister. She got killed. They blamed it on to me and sent me to a place. Prison? No. Or sort of. Then was it your fault? Of course not. You still hungry? I'm dying for a fag. What about the one you owe me? It's great their relationship's brilliant because it's yeah. that kind of thing where where young boys and young girls are very different where mm. like a girl is suddenly like 35 in the head mm. and the boy is still just a kid and it's that sort of funny combination of the two. They're so well cast. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so she's um, she's very much a sophisticated teenager isn't she? She smokes she sneaks cigarettes from him and yeah. from her dad yeah. and from everybody. Um, she reads Jackie. She reads Jackie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she says she's got a sitting room where she entertains boyfriends. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So at this point, um, it's around about this point that Joey tells her about the nanny yeah. and about the nanny. Um, he alleges that the nanny killed his baby sister. sister. Yeah. But that he was blamed for it, and that's why he was sent away. And yeah. we see in flashback what what happens, or well, one his, version, of what version, happens. version of what happens. His version of what happens. It's so interesting that the, a, a film like the, this is this is old gives you like those two alternate versions. So you're yeah. like, which which of these is the untrustworthy narrative? Which mm. one? Which one do you believe, and yeah. which one do you not believe? Yeah. It's interesting. And I, I think we're all going to have slightly different ideas about this, but I, th- I, yeah, I think there's something about actually all the narratives are a bit, un- yeah, all, the all the narratives are untrustworthy. Yeah, you don't know, do you? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a bit confused. I had to message you 
to clarify what actually happened in the end because I was convinced I'd missed the scene because there was no clear answer to any of it all. I think that's, I part was of think- that's part of it. But I was thinking a film like this, I thought it was going to be concrete. Yeah, this is how it turned out. So I was thinking, did I miss a scene? And I was like, well, just checking that it is meant to be ambiguous. <laughs> I just blinked. And I suppose in one way, a death like that would be senseless. You yeah. wouldn't quite understand how those mm. things have happened. Mm. But essentially, what happens is, um, a couple of years before, Jerry and Susie, Susie are alone in the house. The nanny has gone out. We don't know why. Um. And Sue, Jerry's on his bedroom floor playing with his toy train. Susie, who's about three, toddles in and says, "I've got nothing to. I've got nothing to do. Can <laughs> I play with you?" Good. She's amazing, and she's, she's so well cast and such a yeah. wonderful little actress. And she's genuinely a three-year-old. Yeah. But I, to I, deliver her lines and play what she does is just incredible for that age. I didn't think she was a good actress, but I just thought she was so fucking adorable that I didn't care. Mm. I thought she was just so cute. But, and I was just like, oh, but I don't know if she did her on purpose or she was just accidentally adorable. So it's <laughs> I think to, I think she didn't make me hate her. As much as any three-year-old can act, yeah, she was yeah. acting. Yeah. She was delivering lines, yeah. and she delivered them really, really well. Yeah. To get any performance from a three-year-old. Yeah. And that was yeah. a, as precise a performance you'd get yeah. from a three-year-old yeah, exactly. as you possibly could. The, the fact that I didn't hate her, I actually thought she was adorable. Oh, she's she was, she was obviously very good. Yeah. So Jerry is very much a typical boy yeah. and just wants her to bugger off and yeah. tells her to go. And says, go and play with your yeah, dolls. That's all girls can do. Yeah. Um... So sort of, sort of unperturbed, she does. She toddles off, mm. and I just, I just love that scene of her just w- walking and gradually running off from the doorway and going yeah. to collect her doll, yeah. which is huge, about as big, almost as big as her. Yeah. But she carries it so caringly yeah. and yeah. is talking to it, and she's saying, "It's bath time, Amanda. Mummy's <laughs> going to give you a nice bath." And you just know it's just not going to end well. It doesn't mm. end well. So she takes the doll into the bathroom. And rests it on the edge of the bath. Yeah. Um, and prepares to go and get the things for the bath. Yeah. And while she's turned her back, the doll oh. falls into the bath. It should say that the bath has shower curtains around which are closed. Yeah. She notices the doll's falling over. I think she might call her a naughty girl. Climbs up onto the end of the bath. And then... Slips and falls, and there's a horrible clang as yeah. her head hits the bath. Did anyone else gasp in horror when it happens, even though they knew it was going to happen? It's the noise. Yeah, it's <laughs> being an old like steel yeah. bath. It's steel the bath. Noise. Yeah, it's the noise. The noise. The noise is just unmistakable. Yeah, yeah. something. She's she, she's seriously injured. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um. Then. Sometime later, Nanny returns and it's bath time. She shouts to children, says it's bath time, and she goes into the bathroom and starts running the bath, yeah. not looking behind the curtains. Carries on calling the children, then asks Jerry, Where is Susie? And he says, I think I saw her in the go to the bathroom. She goes to the bathroom and discovers. Susie face down. Yeah, it's interesting that this is Joey's. This, this is, is Joey's, Joey's perception. Like, yeah. Mm. So to be, 
I can't remember because I remember that being at the end, but do we see yeah, a we different see, version? We see the 90s version at the end. We see the 90s version at the end, but she... Because we find out why she's gone and why she's yeah. coming back. And why she's yeah, back. we sort of know more of the context. From Joey's perspective, she does see Susie face down in the bath. And oh, yeah, then she starts, she, playing with her. she starts she starts bathing her. Yeah. Um, and... J- Joey relates this. Says she she bathed she bathed her even though she she was fully clothed, just like it was all normal. Yeah. And he really extends that normal, yeah. just like a yeah. kid really, um, really would. And it's a really macabre scene where she's picked up this. You know, she is bathing this yeah. dead well, child, yeah, yeah. and she's but she's talking to her. Yeah. The bit that kind of loses me a little bit is that I just don't get why he hates her so much. I get confused because A, they sent her to pick her up as a nice surprise when he'd be happy that he's getting to see his nanny. But um, he hates her so I don't understand why they said that was a big nice surprise. And then you have this whole thing of him hating her. But like, why? Because she didn't really do anything. She might not have reacted well. He hates her because he, because in his brain brain, she's responsible. Yeah, because she he never she never saved his sister. She just bathed the corpse. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of what it is. But so and, and in his head, well, it's not her fault, it's but it is her fault because she physically drowned right. his sister. Whether it was an accident or not, he will focus on the fact that she turned those taps on and left the sister in there to drown. So that, and that's, that's quite real, I guess, in terms of like an unreliable, yeah. the unreliable, the unreliable narrator as a child from the view of a child. That happened. She did it. She turned yeah. the taps yeah. on. So when it's as simple as that. Yeah, I suppose. From a child's white, point of view, it? it's very yeah. black and white. Yeah. You turned the taps on. You killed my sister. You killed her. You drowned her, and then you're a loon because you just and started you, to bathe her. But not only that, you not only that. She not only killed his sister. She made everybody believe that he killed yeah, his she sister. Let him take the blame. Oh yeah, yeah. And she told everybody that it was him. Yeah. Him and his sister. We're, we're playing him. in the bathroom yeah. Yeah. and we're playing boats in the bath. Yeah. She slipped in and drowned and Joey ran away and didn't and and mm-hmm. wouldn't take the blame. And so he got sent away for two years and got subjected yeah. to all sorts of psychiatric evaluation, mm-hmm. yeah. which was which was an injustice. I think I was thinking of it more as an adult view, but now you've talked about it being like a kid's perception yeah. of what's going on kind of makes it... To him, she's an arch villain. And... And he got, and he got sent away. Story, he says because it's him goes, telling the story. He to his killed, he killed her, and then she goes, "Well, did she really?" And he goes, "Oh, well, kind of, yeah." So mm. he's not actually saying that she did kill him, mm. kill the girl. He's kind of just blaming her, even yeah. though she's not technically the one who done it. Yeah, and it's that uncertainty, isn't it, that that. It, that sort of keeps you guessing because you actually you don't you you never you're never quite sure you're never quite sure of what the where the truth exactly. lies is it him or is it or mm. was it her and it does keep that was, right until the end I think you, was it per, well it was this death yeah. uh, you'd never really quite suspect that the death was an accident mm. you think there's something more was this there was some yeah. some malign mm. intention around this. Yeah. Yeah. I think you don't for, for me anyway it's probably jumping ahead but I don't think you do get an answer in this film I think you yeah. get two different versions and then you it's up to you to decide what you think I think it's proof and that's that's and one of the strongest things of this film I think yeah. it's just so good 
I just love the fact so when he tells Bobby from upstairs about the about what's happened, I love that I love their vile reaction that only kids could do, mm. which is I know what we'll do. <laughs> Put a doll in the back <laughs> and torture this old woman. That's what we're going to do. And Bobby's like, "Great, okay, let's do it." I just love the fact that they do that. I love how I also love how Bobby um, taunts him when he's moaning about the nanny, and she says, "Did she tell you off? Did she? Did she smack your bottom? Yeah. Did she take your trousers down and smack your I know, bottom?" I know. And it's so it's so yeah. horrible. It's so funny at it's the same funny time. And horrible. And she's <laughs> she's also got this thing about it. I think even though that even though he's just a kid, she's already of that age where she she knows how to flirt. Yeah, and really wind boys up. She mm. knows how to do that, even if he doesn't even get what's going on. Mm. She, that's her. That's in her character, and that's who she's going to be when she's older. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love that. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> Me. Yeah. What? Okay. Did anyone else spot when they go into her room? She has some sort of mobile hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. And it looks like it's like El- is it Elvis or yeah, like it was, a, it was some sort of heartthrob, like Teddy oh, Boys yeah. or something. It was. Watch a- it again, and it's like because he messes with us, and he's, he's like. I'm sure it's Elvis or something like that. It's someone with a quiff and yeah. that. It's, it's, yeah, it's a heartthrob moment. Wow. Amazing. She's awesome. she plunging straight ahead into her sexuality, that young girl, isn't she? She is, she's for not, sure. She's not hanging around for no one. No. <laughs> yeah. So, with, the, the, with the flower box as well and the milkman. Yeah, yeah. he nearly kills the milkman. Yeah. He nearly kills the milkman and then Nanny's like defending him. Just, yeah, drops the whole like flower box from the... And he, you get a great, a proper old school. He shakes his fist at the yeah, kids, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't this is with the this is the the doll? Yeah, is the doll in the bath. bath. The doll in the bath. And then the nanny has a bit of a panic attack, doesn't she? Nanny's she does. response to it. I mean, Betty Davis. It just sums up why Betty Davis is amazing because it manages to be a, like camp and very much of its time and of its world but she's still amazing and she still really tugs at your heartstrings I think. She, it's the quiet panic yeah. of that yeah. moment isn't it and yeah. the distress and she doesn't she doesn't quite scream no she's like oh. and she doesn't sort of flail or run she just walks very very quickly out yeah. doesn't she yeah yeah and I, I think I don't know if it was a conscious thing but for me from here on in was when I started, it, the whole thing started to feel more sinister from here on. Yeah. In. Mm. You did start to wonder about, about Nanny more and more, I mm. think, with the pie, where you think, is she poisoning people? You know, well, that's what I, I do feel like it steps it up a notch in terms mm. of the, the horror slash thriller element. Yeah. And the pie. Uh, yeah. The comforting of the mum and brushing her hair. Yeah, and it's just. It, Doesn't she say, oh, "I want you to brush me hair"? Yeah, she makes it just. But Nanny's always done that, and that's yeah. why that's how she likes to keep that family. In my opinion, mm. she, I, she's I, there's something. I, there's something sinister about her, and I don't mean in a in a um, arch monster way. I mean in a, that's what she needs. Nanny needs them to need her mm. by all means necessary. That, that's how I think she. That's how I think she operates. And she controls them. She 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 controls them all through, in lots of different ways, doesn't she? So she does it through that sort of caring and nurturing of brushing hair and making the bed and doing bath time. And she also controls them through food. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. to try and get on Joey's good side, she makes steak and kidney pie, which is his favourite. With a J on yeah. the pie and everything. Yeah. Um, just after that, she speaks to Virginia and says, Master Jerry's been messing around in my medicine chest. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's just a set up, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yet again, it comes to dinner, <coughs> she's made the pie, and Jerry won't eat. Yeah. And so he he just runs off to his room and says, I hate you. Um, and Virginia is incredibly upset, and she won't eat. But she does eat, doesn't she? Mm. Nanny makes her eat. Mm. Nanny says, no, open wide. Mm, exactly. One, two, three, open, we must keep up our strength. Yeah. And it makes you feel sick. Mm. It reminds me a bit of, almost reminds me a bit of um, Theatre of Blood. Oh, the pie. The pie. Poodle pie. <laughs> Getting fed. <laughs> um, only she's very passive and willingly being being fed. Yeah. Yeah. And very quickly, you really, it becomes apparent that she's become she becomes ill and ends up having to get taken to hospital, doesn't she? Yeah. And who comes to stay instead? And who comes to stay to look after Master Joey because he won't stay on his own with the nanny, but Auntie Pen. Yeah, Auntie Pen. There's a great line. I think as soon as you walk in, he says, "Are you going to take sleeping pills?" <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's not going to set up any suspicion no, no, at no. all. <laughs> and she is just weary sort of happy but weary that she's there and like you and thinks he's just a monster and he is a monster yeah he's a little bastard he is a little bastard and she can see through that but she also sort of sympathises with him and thinks he's got to be entertained for the night and he's got to have some attention and she's ambivalent towards him isn't isn't she 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 knows he's an absolute pain in the arse but she's obviously got some love and affection for him possibly more than Anybody, and yeah. she won't actually take any nonsense from him. She doesn't either. take any nonsense from him, and also she doesn't have to deal with him twenty four hours a day. She gets no. to nip it yeah. out mm. when he gets yeah. too much, and she can't be asked. She can leave. Yeah, so she can play three rounds of drafts with him, yeah. and then get bored. Yeah, and think, I wish I was out in Swing England. Exactly, with me poppers, with me poppers, <laughs> and me um, me whiskey and so- soda. Joey ends up going to bed. Yeah, mm. this is where Pen gets up to get a drink of water, isn't it? She goes to the kitchen. Yeah. She does. They all go to bed. Nanny tries to nanny Pen going to bed, but Penny's very different from Virginia and won't let her. And this is, this is what I mean. This is why Pen mm. isn't part of that little bubble. Mm. So she gets how weird it is. She's like, no, get off. Yeah. yeah. That's not for me, you know, and she sees the weirdness of the whole thing. Mm. And in that sense, she becomes a threat yeah. to yeah. Nanny. So Penny gets up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water, goes into the kitchen, not water. Yeah. Mm. Um, because Nanny's saying don't have tea, isn't she? Yeah, don't have tea this time. Has water. Drank one cup of tea. But watch the key to that scene as she walks into the kitchen, which is the bedroom door of the door into Jerry's bedroom, and discovers Nanny at Jerry's door with a pillow Mm -hmm. in her hand. Yeah. But doesn't she say there's a whole scene about children shouldn't have pillows? Yeah. 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 You were always against pillows. Yes. Jerry's um, constructed some sort of (laughs) complex, complex rope scenario mm. in his bedroom to keep his bedroom door secure or attempt to with variety of, well, variety of knots. <laughs> Pen gets up, discovers um Nanny at the bedroom door and she says the um the chilling lines have after Nanny saying, Oh I think I, I was going to take him a pillow, she says she suddenly has a realisation, says but you don't approve of pillows mm. And it's that penny dropping, Ooh. she realises. Actually, penny dropping. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> they're actually 
She never appeared. She would vigorously against pillows. She was yeah. always alleged that they would overlay yeah. and suffocate yeah. the child. Yeah. And and it's then that the cogs turn, and she yeah. realizes that Nanny has poisoned her sister, yeah. and that actually that pillow was something very sinister, mm-hmm. uh, and it was her. It's something untoward was happening all along. Yeah. yeah. Nanny, what are you doing? I'm taking Master Joey. An extra pillow. Oh, for heaven's sake, don't wake him up, Nanny. All I can take of young Joey. What may I ask for you doing after this? Making myself a cup of tea. It's bad for you late at night. If you get back to bed, Nanny will bring you a glass of warm milk. I don't want a glass of warm milk. I want a cup of tea. Very well, a cup of tea then. Thank you. And Nanny, don't take that pillow in. I'll never forgive you if you wake him up. You don't approve of pillows. I remember you telling us when we were small. Children shouldn't have pillows. Was the word you used? Um, overlay. Yes. They might overlay themselves. Suffocate. Master Joey is not a baby, Miss Penn. What happened in the bathroom, Nanny? I'm sure I don't know what you mean. What happened? Miss Penn, go back to bed and I'll bring you your tea. What happened? They argue, they wrestle over the pillow, yeah. and Penny's heart gives out. She takes ages to die, doesn't she? She does, well, she, she staggers through the house, doesn't she? And so he, doesn't he bring her back with some? He just has some smell and salts from somewhere. I think poppers. it's poppers. Oh, it is literally poppers. It's a vial of poppers. Because I think she must have. Um, he was like, I was saving them for later. I think she, I know. I think she must have angina because that's what they used to treat angina yeah. with. Was, yeah. was poppers. Um, so she sort of brings around, but it's almost like she brings around. Just to mock her. And just to yeah, yeah, just to just sufficiently to, to be able to do to tell her story. Oh, this this is where we get the flashback. Yeah, this is where we go back and see the same story again right. from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason why Nanny, so we get to hear about why Nanny left the house. She gets an unexpected phone call, and gets and um, and is obviously taken by surprise by the phone call, and sufficiently to just drop everything and not really have quite an understanding of what she's doing and go off. We say get out of a taxi in a very unsalubrious part of mm. London. Obviously. I'm trying to keep up with you. <laughs> Look them up. Gorgeous, though. I love them. <laughs> um, obviously the depths of the East End yeah. somewhere. Um, and ends up in a bed sit where there's a doctor and a woman who's dead in bed who is apparently her daughter. Janet. 
Janus. Mm. And poor Janus has been abandoned from birth. Yeah. Because she was illegitimate. Yeah, yeah. Poor Nanny had to abandon her because she was illegitimate. But Janet's had a terrible life and has ended up dying in this bedsit, having had a backstreet abortion. Well, wasn't she? Wasn't even. It wasn't even there, was it? She was just dumped on a doorstep, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah. She had a backstreet abortion that went wrong. Yeah, and so yeah. just dumped her somewhere. Yeah. And then wouldn't even let the woman, the nanny, be called until yeah. she knew she was dead because she didn't want a chance of a pulling through. Yeah. And yeah. actually happened to see her. That's dark, that line. It's really, mm-hmm. it's so dark. This whole thing is really dark and it says so much, this film says so much about poverty and class as well because like Nanny has, so, has left one life to live in this weird bubble with this posh family mm. in, in um, Belgravia hasn't mm. she this is where I agree with you this uh, yeah and she's just completely like she's created this life for herself mm. in this world where she can't let it go again which is mm. why she's so controlling of them I think yeah she can't go back to, to the life that she's escaped she, she she's but that's it. Having a child would jeopardise that, so that's why she's given up. It, yeah. I don't even think it's necessarily that she's illegitimate. Just having a child in general, she's like, I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. lose this thing that I've got going. Yeah. She didn't want to get married. Yeah. She didn't want to have a kid. She's just wanted to stay in this perfect. Her life is that family. There's even a line early on, isn't it, where she says, "Oh, nanny, you know, nanny never had a family. She stayed to look after mm, us. Yeah. Yeah. To look yeah. after yeah. us." Her life is that family. You see all like how horrified she is to go to somewhere that poor mm. and then if you think back to the very opening scene it's her living her life as nanny of walking through the streets that are all serene and beautiful just picking up flowers yeah. and that yeah. and it's like as much as she's not the rich person she's living that rich yeah. person life yeah, yeah. and Definitely. that's why she is part of that and yeah it's the difference sad, isn't it it's, yeah, the, it's that it's family sad. of like this entitled posh family aren't they and mm. Uh, you know, Virginia's got such a perfect little life, really. Um, but even then, I don't think the, I don't think she has. I think the the sense, the, the core of this is just a dysfunctional family. But she's got the perfect little life for somebody on the outside looking in. Yeah, from yeah. Nanny's point of view, from Nanny's yeah. backgrounds, they would kill to have a life like that, wouldn't mm. they? So if you think what she's she's mm. left behind to come and live in, so then now. So she's gone and fucked it all up when she's when she's let this kid die. So that's like breakdown number one. Yeah. And then breakdown number two is the fact that um her own daughter's just died. There's that, but the, the breakdown in the current sense now, isn't it, is that Joey is a true threat. Mm. Is a true threat and he's gonna destroy everything for her. I think something that's very interesting about this film, I don't think there's a single character in the entire thing that comes across as being a good person completely yeah. like every single person is flawed yeah. in yeah. some way so that's what I was saying I think it's like I think it's about the dysfunction yeah. of, of just the family in general the dad yeah. doesn't care he doesn't care about his wife he doesn't care yeah. about his kids he doesn't even seem bothered that his daughter's dead he never yeah. does he mention Susie at all in no. the whole film no he's just he just cares about going to where's he going Beirut yeah Beirut because he's like got over it like decades yeah. hasn't yeah. he so I think it's like, oh, she's still going on about that thing, you mm. know, and it's his, his own little girl who's died in that bath. I'm, I say her mum's just a total flake, just can't mm. do anything. So it's, I think it, it's just about the dysfunction. And it was happening then, I'm sure it's always yeah. happened, but it's just unusual mm. to see a film this old that deals with, like, the consequences yeah. of dysfunctional families. Yeah. I think it's very brave to be so ambiguous with mm. all of your characters. And it's, for me, I felt the most sorry for the nanny. 
out of everyone and like she is like yeah out of all of them she's the one you actually sympathise with no matter what she's yeah, yeah. she's like the one who's like meant to be the kind of villainess of the thing in the end but I felt most sorry for her and that's kind yeah. of a weird way to take a film it's mm. very brave yeah. and especially from 65 yeah yeah that's but it's interesting though as well because this is a Hammer film and there's another Hammer that I, I think I've spoken about before uh, The Abominable Snowman and in that it's like Peter Cushing you know, to go up looking for yetis and so even in the films The Abominable Snowman is about these yetis the villains in it are actually humans because yeah. Yeah. They, they, they just want to live there peacefully and then humans yeah. come in and fucking wreck everything yeah. so that film make, lets you know pretty clearly that the humans are the villains in this yeah it's like it, that film's always got a um it's almost got a 21st century ecological yeah, message definitely. of saying you actually humans shouldn't intrude on nature and yeah. we destroy by our mere presence in un, yeah. undiscovered lands destroys them yeah <laughs> we should so leave it's them alone interesting to see yeah. the parallel in this absolutely because the films are called the nanny so you think oh this is the villain and it's not necessarily no i think she is mostly the victim because i think the worst of what happens is not until after She's already killed. After, yeah, after Joey's up. I think, I think it is Joey that kills Susie, to be fair. Because we, we never see reality, do we? We never see what no. actually happens. We just see his version, which I don't trust. Mm. And But the nanny, she, the nanny doesn't really know what happened, does she? No, and I think she, the, the nanny sort of... Because she only comes in after, after, doesn't she? She does, and I think the nanny only... Um, my reason of it is that she... she She's had some sort of breakdown. Mm. Yeah, she and it. she's complete. She's actually she's she's unhinged, it's and at the point that um, at the point that Penny dies, mm. she goes to the bed Joey's bedroom, doesn't she, and mm. tries to get to to get Joey. Joey tries to escape. Another fall, another bang to the head, another yeah. child banging their head. Shocking that this Very. whole scene shocked me. Um, oh yeah, because it's quite. Proper wax, wax out, yeah. Yeah. Look what you've done, Mr. Jerry. Aren't you silly? <laughs> and then picks him up and, and then yeah. picks him up and takes him to the bath. Yeah. Runs the bath. And possibly the most shocking part of the, the film, isn't it? Because she pushes his head it's face shocking. down under the under I the watched, water. I watched it with my hands around my mouth thinking, Oh my god, this is awful. Because I've never seen this film before, so I didn't know what was gonna mm. happen. And obviously product of its time. It couldn't end the way that it probably should have ended, which is really tragically. Yeah. Well, we said the same But actually, it's, in some ways, I find it even more shocking because she, the, the, the you can see the conflict. The, the conflict. conflict. She, she, she's brought out of her fugue, her like yeah. her, her her mental breakdown state because she suddenly gets she has that moment of clarity yeah. and yeah. thinks, and what the that. fuck have I done? Yeah. And she loves him. Yeah. In that moment, it's like it's a hugely powerful moment. You yeah. see that though she's been behaving so weirdly and mm. and oddly, actually she does love him. She yeah. actually she she's distraught that she's tried to murder him, and she's completely um, she's in a completely zombie state. Then leaving her behind and going to her bedroom, and just silently. Packing up her things because she knows she's lost her yeah. her life in that home. Yeah, it's tragic, and it's such a it's such a sad, heartrending moment. Mm. I love the shots where it's actually where she's looking in the bath, 
and the cuts it's alternating between who's he alive and who's he dead. Yeah. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. good. And it's Jer and, and yet really it's Jerry. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's all those things cut together in her head. Yeah. Everything's merging together. Her head her mind isn't yeah. working properly. She absolutely breaks your heart, I think, Betty Davis in this in this film, in this scene. And it made me think of Joan Crawford in Straight Jacket. Yeah. And it made me think about how those actresses you know when they say like they didn't make them like that anymore you wouldn't get actresses like yeah. that these days you genuinely would not get actresses like that anymore because those women starred in varying degrees of film whether it would be a you know oh I'm going to get an Oscar for this or oh I've got to pay the rent now by yeah. being in this film about an axe murderer they give the equal performance no matter what yeah, they right. do yeah. they put 100% into their performances yeah. she's just fantastic yeah mm. I think my takeaway from like the whole who killed the kids was that it was simultaneously both of their faults because just they were just neglectful and then mm. neither of their faults because it was just a complete accident and I think that kind of idea of that they both kind of looked and blamed each other mm. but neither one was to blame but they were both to blame is kind of all wrapped around each other very like isn't, isn't that true isn't that a dysfunction in this family in that nobody nobody really pays attention to anybody else? Nobody mm. pays attention to and the, the the worst victim of it in some is Susie. Yeah. The second the, the worst victim of it who is alive is the nanny. Nobody pays attention. Nobody's interested in her life or mm. what's happened to her. But actually nobody's interested in anybody. The father yeah. isn't mm. interested in his wife or his child. Yeah. The, ch- his, the, the son isn't interested in his mum or his dad yeah, the, or the nanny. Nobody's interested in anybody. The mum's just wrapped so wrapped up in anxiety she can't yeah. even face her own, ch- mm. her own no. child. No. Mm-hmm. Actually, the only one who's interested in anyone is the nanny. Mm. Yeah. She loves the kids. Mm. But I think but she's in the middle, literally in the middle of a mental breakdown, so she's yeah. the only one trying to look after these kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, do, I do think that the the ultimate villain I think is Joey I think um, from the from the perspective that we see I think I don't trust Joey's version and I think it is this accident that caught I, I think before that I don't think the nanny is that sinister obviously she wants to keep this job mm. but I think it's after that when she sees obviously what's happened I think mm. this is what causes the mental breakdown and it's it's only after this that she tries to kill Joey mm. and, and, and Penny and stuff like that so I think for me, I think she's mostly the victim, and because Joey as well, like with the jokes where he's hanging himself and things he's like that. I I think he was like that before. I think yeah. it is about a bad kid. Yeah. I thought, I think he's always been a little shit. Yeah, because he was mean to it as well. Like, yeah, like, I know it's his his version of it. We we can't trust that. Yeah. So as far as we know, the nanny's come home and and just run the bath and mm. and so. Joey could have whacked her over the head yeah, or pushed her in the bath yeah, or whacked her over the head. Yeah. So for me, it's, he's that untrustworthy. I think he's always been a little cunt. <laughs> and and Wendy Craig wouldn't have been wouldn't have been scared of him mm. just on the basis of that one event. Mm. There's mm. been eight years. There's been eight years of something before that event. Yeah. Where he's been a martyr. You. Yeah. He's this. This film is. Uh, as much as it's about the nanny, it's a, it's about it's about about malign child yeah. like the bad seeds or yeah and some things have read of like uh, drawn parallels with I want to talk about Kevin oh yeah yeah and yeah. 
you it's part of that tradition of of children who are who are dangerous you've got like the taboo of a child Mm. being killed and the taboo of a child who may have killed yeah Yeah. but i think it's just so it's done so well i think Mm. For the 60s especially, I just think it's... The only bit that I don't like, which is a bit like Psycho, is the end bit, at the end, is the explanation yeah. at the end. There always has to be the psychoanalysis shite, doesn't there? Yeah. And I, if it just ended with the shot of Betty Davis packing up all the photographs mm. of the family and all the children she's ever looked after, yeah. it would have been such an ambiguous ending, yeah. but... It would have been really powerful. Because it ended back in the playground where it started. And Wendy Craig suddenly plays a completely different, almost a completely different yeah. character. Yeah. It's the time it was made. From two it? days in yeah. hospital. Yeah. I quite enjoyed the moment where she goes on about how she's not doing it for herself, she's doing it for all the nannies in the world. Mm-hmm. These people need to trust these nannies and they don't trust me then nobody's going to trust the nanny again yeah. like this, that kind of distortion in her brain yeah. where she's like some kind of martyr well, it's great it's not the only similarity to Psycho is it I was thinking about it because it's all a lot of these films so Hammer obviously Hammer are now renowned as being the big technical level red blood mm. big breasted horror horrors but obviously they, they had a whole other arm of films mm. didn't they in the, in the 60s yeah of these psychological thrillers, mm. of which this is this is the one. And did you say it's the last black and white? It's the last black and white that horror that Hammer made, apparently. So it's stark black and white, cheaply mm. made, and all of the um, main pivotal moments operate around the shower curtain. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. I just think that watching it. Yeah, it, it confused me as well because like he's obviously told me it was a Hammer film, and I haven't really seen any Hammer. But yeah, it's, it's like a complete thing. And then we went in to watch this, and I was like. This is not the film I thought I was yeah. going to watch. Well, that's why I wanted us to start covering more Hammer film by film, because there's such a there's such a variety, and this this is one of the most interesting ones. And like a lot of Hammer films, it's very efficiently written. It's like everything's in there in ninety minutes, but mm. it's 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 better than a lot of the Hammer films because yeah. the script is fantastic. Yeah, it does everything it needs to do. There's not it's not bloated in any way, mm. but the characters are still like characters that really jump off the screen. Yeah. Right, I think. Yeah. So apparently the director, um, Seth Holt, he'd done lots and lots of films where he'd been editor and he did a few where he was director and I think he he, um, he had quite a troubled life, he was a bit of a neurotic and alcoholic and it was quite a fraught um, time making this film between, <laughs> with him, with, hit between him and Betty. <laughs> he, ended up, he ended up dying four years later, I think he made one or two films after this. Um, where it was quite fraught and poor Betty Davis had the flu while she was making this film. Oh, poor Betty. Um, and, but she was really, really, apparently she was very, very difficult and um, coughed and wheezed and sneezed in everybody's face throughout the making <laughs> of the film and purposefully <gasps> drank out of everybody's glasses and cups. To try and make them sick as well. To try and make them sick as well. And at one point she went off and was giving... Um, giving updates on her health every so often saying I'm a bit better no I'm a bit worse I'm maybe a bit better and a bit worse just awful driving him around the bend so the fact that he was neurotic and alcoholic yeah. and had that going on and got all of those performances yeah. from such a diverse range of actors yeah. such precise performances from them all 
is incredible. It's a shame that he he was limited by his own yeah. neuroticism and didn't get to make more because mm. yeah, what could he have have done? But also, the other similarity with Psycho is a bad wig, bad grey wig. Yes. She had that yes. that that, that grey wig on, yeah. and she'd coloured her eyebrows to make them very thick set, and um and obviously suffering from the flow. The one of the stories is that a woman who was working on the film came up to her and said. Oh, I'm so pleased to be working with you, Miss Davis, and you look fabulous. And Betty Davis relates that story and says, I almost killed her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I wonder how much she did I wonder how much of that was to get the like the the cast and crew to you know to antagonise them. Maybe. If she, was meant to, if, if she was meant to be playing the villain, if you know, she was going around antagonising mm. the villain, it might make the make the other cast yeah, you, could never, so you could never tell with somebody like Betty Davis because mm. partly she's just able to do that because she's such an iconic figure mm. and untouchable. Yeah, but also she's not stupid. Mm. She do she would do those things to get her. She knew how to get her own mm. way and to create those those sorts of tensions. So quite possibly she did it to. A bit of method, a bit of a. She wasn't above trying to direct a film, yeah. even when she was never actually a director. Of course, no. Um, was she? So she wouldn't have got like big books for doing this film, would she? I don't think so. Because no. low budget. I don't think mm. Howard, Howard didn't really have big books. Did do big books? Did they? Yeah, until Baby Jane. Betty Davis hadn't made a film she for like six, seven. She ads in Variety magazine. Yeah, she hadn't made a film for like six, seven years, and she was barely getting theatre. Work so yeah. she gave a role in in this film, but she she knew where her stock lay mm. as well. Yeah. She knew she was never going to be a big star again, but she never let that held her back. Yeah, in terms of how she acted. Yeah, and it's another thing about Helen Crawford, isn't it? Which we've said before. I think we said on the Baby Jane one is that they always acted. They yeah. always worked right up until the end. As they wanted to just keep acting. They wanted mm. to be stars, no matter what that meant. Mm. They were never lazy. Yeah. Actors, even though their careers were on the way, yeah. they always gave those star performances or made the effort to make the star performances. So, yeah. How much of their performance in Baby Jane then do you think was kind of like real life? <laughs> Betty, <laughs> yeah, because it because that in that you know she um, brings this guy and he's oh, I'm making a big comeback. And well, interestingly, movie. connected with this film, she makes reference to Baby Jane when later on in the seventies in a chat show and talking about this film, she says for every you for every critic says. That I gave overblown performances, and mm. and she says for every part where I um, gave performances like that, there are twenty nine films where I didn't bat an eyelid, mm. and she was making reference to yeah, to the yeah. nanny yeah. comparison to Baby Jane. Yeah. So you, know, I don't, I don't know. Even when she's losing the plot in this film, there's restraint. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the things I think is one of the great strengths of this film is it is very understated, I mm. think. Because even then, there's like, there's like the psychological horror of it mm. is in is itself understated. So you have to kind of... It's rooted in reality. Yeah, it's yeah. rooted in human beings. It's interesting because it? Baby Jane's such a well-known film. People think that's how Betty Davis acts. Mm. And yet, if you look at both this for the nanny and whatever happened to Ava Jane, you've got a range of acting there yeah. and completely con- that completely contrasts with each other. Yeah, she's totally different. bits that I really saw, I think there was like literally like two or three facial expressions that she pulled that mm. reminds me of yeah. Yeah. Baby Jane. But apart from that, it, I wouldn't even say they were the same actress. Mm. Yeah. Except obviously it looks like <laughs> <laughs> She's got an unmistakable look, those eyebrows. Yeah. 
But apart from that, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily even notice that it was the same person if I didn't know who she What's was. What's wrong about that? Best day of his eyes. Best day of his eyebrows? Yeah, eyebrows, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad that we chose this one yeah. um, as our first proper hammer. Because it's, it's not the most obvious hammer choice. Yeah. No. But it's obvious for us, I think. It's, yeah. a, great, it's a really, really great film. Yeah. It's yeah, fabulous. Yeah. Watch it. I think I would recommend watching it as a double bill with a bad seed. Have a nice mm. where you watch ch- films about evil children. Yeah. Have an evil girl. Have an have an evil girl and and a possibly evil boy. Go back and listen to our episodes on the bad seeds as well. If you go to Screaming Queens with a Z dot or on our SoundCloud page, scroll back and find the bad seed because that's a really good episode and that's a great film. And that, the bad seeds. If you watch this film and think, oh, it's really good, but it's not as camp as I thought it might be, then the bad seeds will actually. Uh, tick your camp box. It'll give you a camp quotient. Yeah. They really will. <laughs> but this is just a brilliant film, I think. So, yeah, I'm really glad that we watched it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that for this episode. Thank you very much. Um, you can get Stephen... Uh, at HD99. You can get Jonathan Butler. Uh, you can get Jonathan Larkin. At Johnny Larkin. And you can get me on the fire escape, <laughs> cocking my leg to the to the <laughs> young boys, young boys down the down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Although that person is a paedophile. I'll be letting paedophiles look up my <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone! <laughs> <laughs> New Year, same old fucking. <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't want to say it before, but that guy is just a bit of because he's 14. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I think he is meant to. He yeah, was different in the sixties. I think he, yeah, he did look a bit old, but I think he was meant to be young-ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> on that one, good night. <laughs> Good night and have have a good time at bath time. <laughs> <laughs> Nanny Martin took you in. <laughs>